Good morning, Muskoka. How are we today? <clears throat> All right, that was unacceptable. If this was February and the only thing we'd seen for five months was snow, I will accept that depressed answer. But it is still summer. It's still beautiful up here. So I'm going to try this one more time. Good morning, Muskoka. How are we today? There we go. I love it. Listen, today we're going to be in the chapter, we're going to be in Jeremiah 17. Now, if you don't have a Bible here today, there'll be some people coming down the aisles to hand you out a Bible. If you do not own a Bible, that is our gift to you. You are more than welcome to take that home. So today we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 17. And so, like I was saying, we're launching off our Far More series that, that we're going to go forward in this fall walking in the fullness of what God would have for us as a church here in the Muskoka region. But before we could dive into the vision of what that is or, or the logistics of what that might be for what God would have us to do as a church in this region, we must first pause and see how do we do this in a way that is a blessing because there's equally a way that we could do it and it's a curse according to the book of Jeremiah. And so I want to see how we can walk this far more series in obedience. And so I have two daughters. So naturally, uh, we're watching a lot of Disney princess movies right now. And if I could quote scripture like I could quote Disney, I would be Billy Graham. But here's what I notice in these Disney movies. It's this theme that I didn't catch as a kid, but now I'm catching as a father pretty quickly. And it's this, trust you. Trust how you think. Trust how you feel. Who you are is the greatest thing you will ever be. Just be obedient to that. And what we're going to read in Jeremiah is that God flies the exact opposite way. And so there's this, this, there's this tension in Disney. You are ultimate trust in you. Or maybe you're a little bit old and you've seen Jerry Maguire. And one of the most famous movies of Jerry Maguire is you complete me. Wow, what a romantic line in that moment. And so we start to see there's this tension to either completely trust in ourselves or we can have a different inclination, and it's this, to completely trust in another human being. And the Word of God is actually going to warn us both of those approaches are a curse. But in the book of Jeremiah, God's going to show us how to walk out this far more in a way that's a blessing. But before I jump into the word, I want to pause and pray that as we read this passage, the Lord would open our eyes and open our ears to hear what he has, not what we have. Let's pray. So, Lord, we pause before you right now. Lord, your word, your design, you, you are beautiful. You are good. You have great things for your children. So, Lord, I pray as we go to your word, protect us from merely growing in a knowledge of it. But Lord, as we go to your word here by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to the things that you have to say. And God, I pray by the power of your spirit, would we walk in the power and the obedience of it, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. All right, y'all. So we're going to be in Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 8. So I want to read through the passage with you. You ready? Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. Thus says the Lord. So let's pause right here. On any given day, we hear a lot of people say a lot of different things. And, and, but here we're hearing the words, thus saith the Lord, which means as children of God, let's let, let's let our ears perk up a little bit because the Lord is about to speak. And whenever he does and we walk in obedience to it, it is good. Verse 5, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man. 
and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Verse 7. Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So what are we seeing in this passage? And, and so here's my first point. It's this. The curse of trusting in man. We see this in verses 5 through 6. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. The curse of trusting in man. This is the first point we need to realize, and it's this. Misplaced trust happens when our hearts turn from the Lord. Right out of verse 5. Do you see that? Whose heart turns away from the Lord. We got to see the danger of misplaced trust. Not only when our trust is misplaced, not only do we trust in something that's going to fail us, the more dangerous thing happens, and it's this. Our heart has first turned from the Lord. Now listen, I got to define the heart because culture has shot the definition of the heart, right? In culture, we hear this all the time. Like heart is an emoji that we often send. You know what I mean? I heart tacos. I heart my pet shih tzu. What does it say in the word of God when it's talking about the heart? So this is what I want you to hear. You ready? The heart. What drives us as humans? It's our thoughts, our affections, our emotions, our desire, and our trust. So when you hear me go forward in this sermon and you hear me say heart, think thoughts, emotions, affections, desires, hope, and trust. And so what happens here is our heart shifts off of God and onto man. Now, we would never want to say that because we're good Christians, but that's exactly what our, our, our actions are saying. In this moment, when we choose to trust in man, it goes, you know what, Lord? I know you have good things for me, but there's just something that I just don't trust about you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my heart, my thoughts, my affections, my desires, I'm going to take them off of you, and now I'm going to put them in man. Now, man's a pretty broad term. I want you to think of two things when we trust in man. Your temptation to trust in you or your temptation to trust in others. And so what happens in this misplaced trust when our hearts turn from the Lord is our eyes fall off of God, and they're placed upon the things that fail us. We place our hope, our trust onto the thing that not only curses us, but pulls us away from our God. So we see the curse of trusting a man is misplaced trust happens when our hearts turn from the Lord. But here's the second thing. Here's the result. When our hearts turn from the Lord, misplaced trust chokes us out. We see this clearly in verse 6. When we trust in man, he's like a shrub in the desert. He shall not see any good come, and he shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. You see that? Like, misplaced trust chokes us out. This shrub that it's talking about is, is an analogy of us. It says that this shrub sees no good, it's parched, and it's alone. 
There's no way this equation ever works well for this shrub. I want you to know this shrub is an analogy of us. There's not a time as the children of God that us trusting in ourselves or us trusting in others ever benefits us. You know what it feels like on a soul level? Like this shrub. No good. We're parched on a soul level and we feel completely alone. In fact, I got a picture of a desert shrub. Let's check this out. All right, so I have a medical condition that I've often talked about. It's called millennial. And so what we have this temptation to do is to post pictures of really stupid things thinking people care, right? So check out my, you know, kale salad. Upload that to Instagram. Oh, here's my organic avocado toast. Up that lo- upload that to Instagram. First of all, pause. I want to say some truth and love. Nobody cares about your lunch. Stop posting it. But here's what I also, I also want to see. I've never seen somebody really upload a picture of a shrub. Like, nobody's ever looked at that picture and been like, wow, what a sexy plant. Why? Because this plant, it looks half dead. It looks brittle. I've never seen a desert shrub look beautiful. Nobody has hired a landscaper up here to go, I'm just really going for a desert motif, so I'm really thinking about buying some ugly plants and planting them at my cottage. Said nobody ever. But here's what happens. Do you see this shrub? It's half dead, brittle, and never looks beautiful. That's exactly what happens to us as the children of God when we have misplaced trust. How do I know that's true? When you're tempted to trust in that other person and that other person doesn't give you that affirmation, what are you? Broken. And so what happens here, you equally see, look at the roots of the shrub in this verse. As it grows its roots into an uninhabited salt land, it literally grows its roots into bad soil. It grows its roots into a salty soil. It grows itself into the thing that chokes it. We as humans do the exact same thing. All plants grow roots. All Christians grow their heart into something. And so we have a temptation to grow our thoughts, our affections, our desires, our thought life, our hope, and our trust. We're tempted as human beings, sinful human beings. We're so tempted to grow it and embed it into something that's going to choke us out. And you know what the most dangerous thing about it is? Typically, the things that can choke us out aren't bad things. They're good things, just in a bad order. For example, you want to see the most common ones I see in the counseling room as a counselor? Your career. You can use, you can grow yourself into your strength, your opinions, your wisdom. How about your kids? How they perform, how they do. You know how like every dad thinks their kid's going to go to the NHL and pushes them on the rink that much harder? See, the list is endless. So what happens when we're tempted to have this misplaced trust, when we, our hearts turn away from the Lord and now they turn towards ourselves or towards others, what happens when we place our heart and then grow our heart into those things and they fail us? You know what we are? The Word of God says we're cursed. We're set to fail. You know, we can totally do this in this Far More campaign. There's a way that we can place our trust in another man on a board on a building design 
on a location. There's going to be a temptation for us as a church in this far more. We can set our trust onto the wrong thing and it's going to fail us. Or we could set our trust onto the right thing and it's going to give us life. And so what I love about the Word of God is it doesn't stop right there. Like if we just had a God of curses, let's go home really depressed. But the Word of God continues. And so we start to see that we've all done this at one point in a time or another. We're tempted to grow our heart, our thoughts, our life, our affections, our desire, our time, and our energy. We're tempted to put it into something that's going to fail us and put it into something that's going to choke us. We've all done it. But we don't have a God of curses. We have a God of blessings. So my question is, how do we go from the camp of cursed to the ballroom of blessing? Here's the second point we can see in this passage, and it's this. We see the curse of trusting in man, but we see the blessing of trusting in the Lord. I want us to see properly placed trust grows us deeper into our walk with God. Look at verse 8. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends its roots by the stream. The gospel gives us all, as men and women here in this room, who have given their life to Christ. It gives us this daily, moment-by-moment opportunity to abide in Christ. That we could take, because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we're openly invited to grow our roots like this tree, or our hearts, and to grow them deeper and deeper into this beautiful water, which is just a beautiful analogy of this Christ that's to come in Jeremiah that we now know by name. There is never a time for us as believers to grow our roots into Christ and it backfires on us. You ready? Here it is. Trust into the salty soil of self is a curse. Trust into the salty soil of self is a curse. But trust into the wonderful water of Christ is transformative. So we see that this, this blessing of trusting in the Lord, properly placed trust, when our hearts are turned to the Lord, it grows us deeper and we abide deeper into our walks with God. But not just that. When we do that, the next point is this. Properly placed trust leads to a flourishing in our lives. You see, when our trust is in the Lord, there's a blessing that leads to a flourishing. You see, like in verse 8, we blossom Look at this. Our leaves are green and we bear fruit. So suddenly we go from this ugly, half-dead, shriveled-up shrub to now there's this strong tree that's appearing. And so we go from being this ugly, dehydrated plant to a flourishing tree. We go from being brittle to now becoming strong. We go from half-dead to now abundant life. So we see that when our trust is in the Lord, we blossom, but equally we see this. When our trust is in the Lord, we are protected even in hard times. And I love it because in this verse, it says in verse 8, he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear. What's that next word? Did it say if he comes? No, it didn't. What's that word? When. And we as Christians can know that there are seasons of heat and drought in our lives. Now, let me ask you a question. What should a plant fear more than anything? Heat and drought. That's, that's an equation for death for a plant. But do you see this verse here? It says that it does not fear when heat comes 
And in the next line it goes, and it is not anxious in the year of drought. You start to see that if you're this desert shrub and heat and drought come, you know what you are? You go from half dead to full dead. But this plant here, with that same heat, with that same drought, it's actually having leaves that are green and it's bearing fruit. What's the strength of this tree? It's not the tree. It's what it sent its roots to. There's one thing the shrub and the tree have in common. You know what it is? They both grew roots. It's just to what? The shrub grew roots to the salty soil and it choked it. The tree grew roots to this water and it flourishes. And I love this imagery because every man and woman in this room, in this season coming up, we're going to have heat. There's going to be seasons of drought. But what I love about our God is when our roots, our heart is embedded into him, we do not need to be fearful children and we do not need to be anxious children. And it's not because of how great we are. It's because of how fantastic he is. I love this. This tree is not anxious and it does not fear. The thing that would destroy a plant in and of itself, God offers himself to us in a way that what destroys us on our own, we can now even flourish even in the presence of heat and even in the season of drought. The strength of the tree is not the tree. Its strength is the water that it's tapped into. And I want to encourage every man and woman in this room your strength as a follower of Christ has never been you. It's always been in who you followed. There is no heat that has ever made our God sweat. And there is no drought that has ever made our God nervous. We're fearful of heat. We're fearful of drought. But he is not. And he offers us, even in those difficult seasons, he offers us himself. As followers of Christ, we're going to have this heat. We're going to have this drought. But there is a peace and a power that our God offers us. That's why misplaced trust is so dangerous. Our trust can't be in our ability, our bank account, our plans, and it certainly can't be in others. And here's another unique thing I see as a counselor that I'm tempted to do as a human being. There's a way that we can actually put our trust in the heat and go, heat, please, please, please don't be so hot. And there's a way that as Christians, we can actually put our trust in the drought and beg the drought, please, please, please don't be so dry. And so there's a lot of things fighting for the affections in the heart of a child of God. But this is why we got to be careful because you start to see that our only shot is when we grow our hearts into the Lord. That's why when it says whose heart turns away from the Lord, that's why it's so dangerous. It's not because it's merely we're just trusting in ourselves or others. We've removed our heart from the one thing that gives us life, even in the difficult seasons. That's why the Old Testament and the New Testament is not going after the behavior of God's children. It's going after the heart, the affections of God's children. See, when our trust is the Lord, our seasons might change, but he never does. When we draw from the Lord, when we trust the Lord, when we grow our roots, our heart into Christ, it is always safe. And it is always good. That's why misplaced trust is so dangerous. It turns our heart from the only thing that gives us life. The tree's source of strength isn't the tree. It's the stream. 
And the source of the Christian strength is never the Christian or others. It's in who our God is. And so maybe you're here today and you, and you love Christ, but you can't even remember the last time it felt like to trust him. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't, I don't remember a time where I've ever really got to experience this blessing. Maybe you're here today and you've never known Christ. Maybe you're here today and your perception and your understanding of Christ is too small. Because we're all good Christians, so I'm going to use a poker analogy that you'll never understand, but try and track with me. And it's this. God is calling us to go all in with him. He's not just asking us to ante up. He's saying, you know, your trust, all in. Now, whenever I've theoretically played poker, <clears throat> whenever I go all in, it's because I'm very confident that I've got something that's going to come out on top. And so sometimes when we're unwilling to go all in for Christ, it's because we're not that confident in him. Maybe we're sitting here today and we have a really small Christ, and it's easy to do, right? Because most of our depictions of Christ is just some random white guy walking through a field with hair that most women are jealous of. Or maybe you're an Israelite, and you've seen all the trustworthiness of God. He takes you out of Egypt, and he parts the Red Sea... And he meets you daily with like quail and manna. And I love that because the Israelites constantly are struggling with this trust of God. Yet God has only ever proven himself trustworthy. Like look what God met his Israelites with. Like, like manna and quail. He meets his people with carbs and meat. That's fantastic. You know why? If he's meeting with kale and tofu, I'm back to Egypt so hard and so fast. And so we always have this constant tension as Christians. Do I trust my God? Even though we can look back and go, yep, he's trustworthy for this and for this and for this and for this. We're always going to have this tension to trust in ourselves, to trust in others, or are we going to trust in our God? And so sometimes what we need to do is we need to pause. And we need to be reminded of who our Christ is. And so the third point is this. We need to see the worthiness of the one in whom our trust is in. Because if God is calling me to take trust, and by the way, as a human being, trust is like one of the most important ingredients in any relationship. You don't have trust, you will not have a good relationship. And he's saying, you know that trust? You know that trust, Matt? You know that trust, Harvest Muskoka? All in on me. And so that's a huge thing to say. And so sometimes we need to remember how worthy he is for us to take this trust and to be all in for him. So I want to spend a couple minutes and talk about... <clears throat> who this Christ is, that we can so go all in for him. And so I want to play a quick clip just to remind us of who this Christ is. Says, my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He 
the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's a centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You see, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's mocking. That's mocking. Blessed are we when we trust in that. And when we say far more, what we're saying is we want far more of that. And that's why we're taking this far more series so seriously. And it's because of this. It gives us an opportunity for those who don't know that to hear about him. And so when we say far more, that that blessed are we when we trust in the Lord. When we're saying far more, you know what I want to know? Like, you know what I want to go after far more of? I want to go after this Christ who, according to Colossians 1, 15 through 19, I want far more of the one who is the image of the invisible God. I want far more of the one who is the firstborn of all creation. I want far more of the one who created all things on heaven and earth by. I want far more of the one who has created all things. I want far more of the one who is before all things and all things are held together by. I want far more of the one who is the beginning and the end and the preeminent one. I want far more of the one who the fullness of God was pleased to dwell within. I want far more of the one who reconciles all things to himself through the blood of the cross. Only when our trust in that is, are we blessed. 
because there is nothing, nothing like him. You want to keep going? How about Hebrews 1 through 3? I want far more the one who is the radiance of the glory of God. I want far more the one who is the exact imprint of the glory and nature of God. I want far more of the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. I want far more of the one who has made purification for our sins. I want more of the one who is at the right hand of the majesty on high. Only when our trust is in him are we blessed because there is nothing like him. I'm just getting warmed up. Here's Hebrews 2.9. I want far more of the one who has been made higher than the angels but humbled himself to taste our spiritual death for our own good. Only when our trust is in that are we blessed because there is nothing like him. What about Hebrews 2, 16 through 28? I want far more the one who helps us in our weakness. I want far more the one who is a merciful and faithful high priest. I want far more the one who has made the eternal payment for my sin. I want far more of the one who has subjected himself to temptation so that he could help us when we are tempted. Only when our trust is in Christ are we blessed because there is nothing like him. And so suddenly you start to see when God calls an all-in nature when it comes to trusting in him, we see something and it's this. It's fitting and good for us to have all of our trust in who he is because there is nothing like him. And good news, he is never changing. And here's another good news and it's this. He makes himself available for all. See, I think this shows us something really key. It shows us two things when we study Christ. It shows us who he is and it shows us who we're not. We see our futility and his infiniteness. We see our meagerness and his magnitude. We see our weakness and we see his wondrous works. We see our blindness and his boundless vision. The only thing I want to ask you today is this. What kind of a plant are you? See, I think the word of God puts every man and woman in this room into three categories. One, you're a shrub who needs to give their life to Christ. How do I know I'm this? Because you, you only know what it means to trust in you or to trust in others. You know the curse. You can taste it. You can feel it but you've never known the blessing of Christ. And if that's you here today, you're not stuck in hopelessness. You know why? First John 1, 9 is clear. He is faithful and just to forgive you of all of your unrighteousness. Maybe you've only ever done it wrong. Then know something. This water that I've been talking about, Christ, he is available to you here today and now, maybe you need a little bit more encouragement. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. You're not that good. All you need to do is simply choose to take your roots out of the salty soil of self and now place your heart, your mind, your thoughts, and your affections onto Christ. Or maybe you're a second type of plant. Maybe you're a saved shrub who needs to regrow their roots. How do you know you're this? You know Christ, you love him, but you're just in this season where there's this one constant thing that keeps hooking you from walking in the power of what God has for you. 
You're able to articulate the goodness of Christ. You have that memory of you giving your life to Christ. But you keep playing with this one thing and going back to this one thing that keeps choking you out. Like the plant feels no good, you're parched, and you're all alone. Why, oh why, is there hope for you today? Hebrews 4.16, there's a throne that God is on that we can confidently come to to find grace and mercy in our time of need. And so you know what your call to action is? Regrow your roots. Regrow your roots. So you've been going to the salty soil, that's fine. Regrow them back to the beautiful water that is Christ. And there's a third type of plant here today, and it's this. A tree who is trusting in the Lord and there's heat and drought that is either coming or already here. How how do you know you're this? How do you know that you're in this category? It's this. Your hope and your trust is in the Lord and you're daily sending your roots to this stream. You're you're taking your thoughts, your affections, and and you're placing it upon Christ. I want to encourage you. If you are trusting the Lord, but there's a lot of heat and there's a lot of drought, here's why I can encourage you, and it's this. John 15, 5. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Can I encourage you with something? I've seen in the counseling room, it's often in the seasons with the most heat and the most drought that you will bear the most fruit. Sometimes as Christians, we have this temptation that I will bear fruit and things will be good once the heat is gone and once the drought is gone. I want to encourage you with a very different message, and it's this. Often the Christian does the most growth. The Lord does the most powerful work in the presence of much heat and in the presence of much drought. John Piper even beautifully illustrates this pain, this heat, this drought you're experiencing. Every millisecond of it is powerful. It is meaningful. And it's producing in you a peculiar glory you will see one day as a result of it. So here's my encouragement to you, and it's this. Persevere, the Lord is with you. The heat and drought isn't an illustration of wrath. If you're a child of God, wrath was poured out at the cross. There's no wrath waiting for you. And to further encourage you, Psalm 25.3, none who wait for the Lord will be put to shame. And so maybe you're in this season and it feels like a season of waiting while there's heat and while there's drought. And I just want to encourage you, none, none who wait on the Lord will be put to shame. You will never regret your obedience and steadfastness before the Lord. When you see him on his throne in the fullness of his glory, there's a day coming. And when you see that, you will never say it wasn't worth it. You will never say, I wish I could go back and change it. Because you see that this pain, this heat, this drought, it drew you closer to the water that you now see in fullness. And so when we're here talking about the far more, well, this far more, it's actually prophetic because it's this. We as a church going forward in this season, as we are obedient to God's leading, as we become obedient to God's vision, we will be far more cursed or we will be far more blessed. We will either be far more trusting in ourselves or trusting in others. And it will lead to a soul level curse. Or... We take our roots, our heart, out of the salty soil of trusting in man. And in this season, far more, 
far more do we place our trust into Christ. And there, as we get closer to him, we will see this protection. Will there be heat ahead for us as a church? Sure. Might there be seasons of drought for us ahead as a church? Sure. But we will not be anxious and we will not be fearful because of who our trust is in. Church, will you pray with me? Lord, I pray. Lord, gone would be the days of trusting in us. We will not trust in man. We will not trust in ourselves. Lord, this season of far more, Lord, far more would our trust be placed upon you. Far more is our heart, our thoughts, our affections, our emotions, our time, our energy. Far more will they be placed on you. Because God, you will lead us. You are for us and you are with us. So God, I pray for every man and woman here today. God, no matter what type of plant they are, Lord, meet us, change us, and transform us. Lord, as we look to your word today, Lord, even now open our eyes and our ears to it more. Would we, would we see the curse and would it give us a distaste for ourselves and for others? But Lord, greater than that, would you open our eyes to the beauty and the power of who you are and God, would we walk in the fullness of that? So Lord, we start this far more by acknowledging that we are prone to wander and prone to trust the thing that will fail us. But what we're declaring here today, God, going forward in this season is this. Far more will our trust be in you, for you are with us and for us. In Christ's name, amen.